Today on Let the Bible Speak. When any organization loses sight of its mission, it loses its way. The same is true for the church. Why do congregations of the Church of Christ exist? We'll explore that from God's Word next on Let the Bible Speak. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. Thank you for joining me for the broadcast today. Nearly any entity that survives and succeeds has a defined mission. If you start a business, that business needs some kind of mission statement to give it purpose and direction. It reminds its employees of why that business exists and makes it more likely the company will succeed. We run into problems in any business or organization, and that includes the church. And even in our individual lives, if we lose sight of our purpose and mission. So why did Jesus build his church? That is to say, why did he, in his wisdom, bring Christians together into a living, working, active, local body? What is the mission of the Lord's church? It seems we have forgotten that to some degree, at least in our culture here in the 21st century. I want us to look at several verses found in Ephesians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul has shown how Christ Jesus built his church, including Jews and Gentiles within it, and revealed its plan and purpose. He writes beginning in verse 7, Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God, given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the church is the result of God's foreknowledge and God's planning. And Paul says the church's very existence declares the wisdom of God to all. We should never forget the mission of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we dare not divert its focus away from that which Christ intended for it to accomplish in this world. So we're going to talk about the mission of the church in just a moment after a song from the congregation.
A successful business or organization usually formulates some statement of its mission and then its investment and effort goes toward fulfilling that mission. Some great companies have been built around a philosophy or mission. For example, the online sales giant Amazon uh, has as its mission statement, it is our goal to be Earth's most customer-centric company where customers can find and discover anything they might want to buy online eBay said that they want to provide a global trading platform where practically anyone can trade practically anything. And then Google began by stating its mission is to organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. Well, it's pretty obvious that all of these companies have at least to some great degree succeeded in their missions. Not only do they do on a daily basis what they say they set out to do, any of us who are familiar with them or use their platforms would immediately associate those characteristics with their name or brand. That's a successful mission statement, and that statement has in effect made them successful adhering to that statement. Well, we want the church to succeed, of course, but succeed in what? Why is the church here? What is it all about? Well, thankfully, you and I don't need to come up with a mission statement for the church. The Lord and His apostles already took care of that for us. It doesn't take a collaborative team or an agency or a boardroom filled with bright executives to craft a mission statement for the kingdom of Christ. The kingdom of Jesus was given its marching orders, its business plan, its mission statement 2,000 years ago by the head of the organization himself, and that is King Jesus. As He prepared to enter heaven and take up His place as head of the church, king over his kingdom. He told his disciples just before he ascended back to glory in Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through 20, all power or authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now that great commission given to his disciples, which by the way they fulfilled in their own day according to Colossians 1 verse 23, but that great commission encapsulates the purpose of the church even today. Jesus' own mission to earth was so succinctly stated to Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19 verse 10 when he said, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now that's why Jesus left the portals of heaven and came to earth his birth, his life, his deeds, his miracles, his words, his death, his resurrection, all were ultimately to accomplish his stated mission of seeking out and saving those who were lost in sin and thus condemned. He didn't come to be a political revolutionary, although some mistakenly thought so. He didn't come to found a charity or to simply make the world a brighter place to go to hell from, though he certainly, as the light of the world, made the world a better place. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And he told his disciples that he would build his church upon returning to heaven and that their mission would be to take the testimony of his death, burial, and resurrection to the lost world. Paul later said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in the fifth verse, that he and the other apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ had preached not themselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ.
Now, first of all, I want to begin by talking about what the church is not. Unfortunately, many have confused the purpose and existence of the church with all sorts of ventures and objectives. But let's talk about what the church is not. First of all, the church is not a political power. We need to emphasize that. The church is not here to advocate for a political party or a political position to ensure that people are in power or taken out of power. In fact, Jesus drew a clear line in Matthew 20, chapter 22 and verse 21 when he taught his disciples to render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God's. Now here the Lord simply shows that there are two separate realms of operation. We are citizens of this kingdom of, or of the kingdoms of earth, wherever we happen to live and be a citizen. But more importantly, if we're Christian, we're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And those are two different domains with two different objectives. Now our obligation to the kingdoms of men, according to Romans chapter 13, is simply to obey and submit ourselves unto the higher powers so long as their laws and their rulings do not conflict with the laws of God. Romans chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, Paul said, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Now we're told to submit to the authority that God has placed over us. What you do not read within the scriptures is the church marching forward to try to take down the Roman Empire, to try to depose the Caesar, to try to thwart and undermine the uh, edicts and the laws that were passed by the Roman government or to disturb the peace of the Roman Empire. That wasn't their concern. Their concern was simply to go forth and preach the gospel. Now, obviously, if Caesar commanded something that they could not in good conscience comply with because God had taught differently, then as the apostle said in Acts chapter 5, we're to obey God rather than man. But we don't see the apostles marching forth to try to effect change in the world through political means. That was not their concern, and it's not the church's mission to be a political organization. Second of all, the church is not a social reform institution. The church is not a social reform institution. Now, no doubt Christianity will reform a society, but it's important that we understand how. Christianity reforms a society through changing men's hearts by the power of the gospel. The church will never and is not expected to eradicate poverty in the world. Jesus said in Matthew 14, verse 7, For ye have the poor with you always. That doesn't mean we're not to have compassion upon the poor. That doesn't mean that we as individual Christians are not to help the poor as we have opportunity. That's not what that means. But you see, the Lord did not plant the church in this world to eradicate poverty and to take care of the world's social problems and ills. In Acts chapter 3, you may recall a lame man sat outside the temple at the beautiful gate begging alms. And Peter looked at him, and the man thought Peter and John were about to give him money. But Peter said, Acts 3 and verse 6, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You see, this empowered apostle met the man's greater need, and the gospel was preached in that place, and 5,000 people obeyed the gospel and were saved. That's the emphasis. The church is not commissioned to go about and to make the world a happier and brighter place for people to be lost from. It's not to make people happy on the highway to hell. 
but rather to get them off of that highway of life, to preach Jesus to them, and to get them in a saved condition. Number three, the church is not a recreational outlet. Fun, games, fitness, and whatever else have seemingly become the rage of religion in our time. Many churches not only preach what has been called a social gospel, they preach a sensual gospel as well. By that I mean they appeal to the petty and carnal appetites of people in order to bring people in and to pack their pews. Now friend, there's a time and a place for Christians to eat together, to enjoy each other's company on a social level. That's, that's a wonderful thing. I'm not against that. And uh, the church, in fact, profits by uh, having people together and enjoying that kind of, of social interaction. But the priority of the church is not recreational enjoyment. And never is the church commissioned to provide an outlet for entertainment and recreation and sports and so forth for the people of this world or even for its own. It's nearly impossible for me to imagine churches of the first century organizing ball teams, chariot races, building fitness clubs, putting on concerts, building banquet halls, and employing theatrical devices to get people to listen to the gospel. Can you honestly imagine that? They associated with each other from house to house. They showed hospitality to each other and others, and that's wonderful yet today. But their mission and their work were serious business. They didn't compete with one another and try to come up with one gimmick after another to draw people to their assemblies. They went everywhere, the Bible says, preaching the word. The Apostle Paul reminds us in Romans 14 and verse 12, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. You see, that's really what the mission of the church is all about. Paul said to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. He wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, Timothy, if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. Now, first of all, the church's mission is to declare the truth to the world. The church is here to preach the gospel, to save those who don't believe by preaching the gospel so they can hear it, believe it, and obey it. Friend, isn't it time for the church to simply be the church and to stop trying to be everything else that God never intended or appointed the church to be? Can you imagine what we might accomplish if we spent as much money dedicated as much of our time and energy to simply getting out and preaching the truth to a lost and dying world as we do building gaudy, impressive buildings, family life centers, gymnasiums, theaters, and on and on the list goes. Just a simple place to come together and worship and go forth from that place to every corner of our communities and ultimately to the four corners of the earth to tell others about Jesus Christ and His truth. Now, friend, that's what it's all about. Now, all of this other stuff that has come to characterize church and Christianity over the past particularly, I would say, 50 years, that's not what it's about. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 21, It pleased God by the foolishness of, by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. That's what it's about, friend.
The church's number one mission is to preach the gospel, not to draw people in to hear it, but to go to them and preach it. But notice what else Jesus told the disciples in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. He said, Go ye therefore and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. It is the responsibility of the local church to save the lost and then train the saved. How do we strengthen disciples? How do we edify the church? Jesus said by teaching them. Teaching them what? To observe all things that Christ has commanded. Any church that is pleasing to God and fulfilling its God-given mission is a church that is started by the Word. Listen to this. It is a church that is started by the Word. It preaches the Word. It is grounded in the Word. And it lives the Word. It's all about upholding the Word of God to a lost world maintaining the church by the Word of God, and thus serving as the pillar and ground of the truth of the Word of God. The church's mission is also to mutually care for itself. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 24-27, Paul said, For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. You see, the church is a body of believers united by mutual faith in Christ Jesus. And that body is to live and function as a body. To care for, encourage, support each other as we make our way through this world to our eternal home. And that goes back to this idea of the major reason why you need to be a faithful, accountable, and active part of the local church and find your place within that mission. And then fourth, the local church exists to glorify God in all of these things we've talked about. Paul said, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Ephesians 3 and verse 21. Now that's the bottom line. That's what it's about. The local church does not exist to make a name for itself in the community to acquire or yield political or any other kind of power, to become rich and prosperous, to operate like some sort of a business or worldly organization. The work assigned to the church by King Jesus is not such that the church can point to itself and boast of all that it does in the world. Its mission, purpose, and design is solely to bring glory to God by upholding His truth, bringing souls to Him, and thus enlarging the kingdom of His Son, and preparing people to spend eternity with Him in heaven. Friend, that's the mission of the church in a nutshell. But last, I want to mention the all-sufficiency of the local church. The local church is God's means and medium of accomplishing this work that's assigned to His people. The early church... They knew nothing of parachurch organizations, missionary societies, denominational organizations, and hierarchy. The early church didn't consist of any of those things. You won't read of any of that within the New Testament. The early church simply went forth and they preached the gospel. There were no denominational organizations in order to facilitate the spread of the gospel. But rather you had local churches established by the apostles when they went from place to place and preached. And those local churches stood as lighthouses within those communities of lost people and drew people to the Christ by the preaching of the gospel.
The Lord in His wisdom designed the church to be sufficient, to be able to do the things that God purposed for it to do. And it, when it is structured and it operates according to the teaching of God's Word, when it uses this book as a pattern for its work, its worship, its organization, its doctrine, it needs nothing besides a group of people banded together in a local congregation who set about to fulfill the mission that the Lord gave them, and that's to preach the Word, to hold forth the Word of life, to bring glory to God by bringing souls into the kingdom of His dear Son. And the gospel being preached has the power to do that if we will faithfully preach it and uphold it and live it in the communities in which we live. That's the mission of the church. And God help us to remember that and to never prostitute the church into things that God never intended for the church to be. Subscribe to our YouTube channel to see all of our past broadcasts, plus extra videos including Let the Bible Speak classics all the way back to the 1960s. And get new updates, go to YouTube and search for Let the Bible Speak TV. If you've watched Let the Bible Speak for very long, you know that first of all, we're not here to make money because we never solicit a dime from our viewers and we never charge anything for the things that we offer here. We're not here to advocate for a political position or a political party. Politics are not our concern here, and so we don't dabble in politics on this program. 
We're simply here as an outreach of the Church of Christ in your community to preach the gospel, nothing more and nothing less, to point men and women to Jesus Christ and Him crucified and to His holy word, the new covenant, to search for the way that He has laid out for us to follow. That's our objective. That will always be our objective here on this program. And we're thankful that you've chosen to join us to study the Bible from week to week. And if this is your first time to watch Let the Bible Speak, I hope that you'll make it a part of every week. Record us if you don't get up at this particular hour on a regular basis, or you can also follow us online, and so we hope that you'll do that. If you'd like a copy of today's lesson, we'll be glad to send you a free printed transcript. Simply ask for the lesson, The Mission of the Church, and we will get that on its way as soon as we can. It's free of cost. Uh, also, you can find other resources, past videos, and broadcasts on our website, ltbstv.org. And be sure to reach out and follow us on social media such as Facebook and YouTube. We'd love to connect with you there. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you have a wonderful week ahead and that you'll make an appointment, if the Lord wills, to join me back here for another time of Bible study next time. Until then, may God's richest blessings be with you. Let the Bible Speak is brought to you by The Church of Christ. For more information, including our past broadcast and sermon transcripts, visit ltbstv.org. Thanks for being with us today. Join us next time for Let the Bible Speak.